It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 796 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, September the 30th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean, and you can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. The baseball playoffs started yesterday. If you want a breakdown of the Toronto Blue Jays game one loss to Tampa Bay, Locked on Blue Jays has you covered there, and if you're a football fan, if you're a basketball fan, if you're a hockey sport, all the sports from the Lonely Island song, we have shows covering all the teams that play those sports in all the big leagues and the NCAA power conferences as well, so go check them out. All right, on today's show, it's a uh, bit of an unexpected twist on what is going to be another one of our 2019-20 season review episodes where we talk about Marc Gasol. As it happens, there's breaking Marcus All news that seems to be filtering out of Spain today that will color this episode in a slightly somber tone and a bit of more reflective light, I suppose. And there will be some happiness and uh, maybe I'll chug some rosé on this podcast in celebration as well as the news has come down. Uh, still waiting to be confirmed. Uh, Eric Kareen said he's still working to confirm it, but it seems pretty clear right now um, from the tweet coming out of uh, whatever the Spanish news outlet is that covers uh, the, the, the sports over there. Uh, Marcus Saul is going to be finishing out his pro career, it seems, with Barcelona, which is something that we kind of joked and talked about with Blake Murphy back at the start of the offseason when we did our big offseason primer, but it always felt like kind of a possibility. It really felt like Gasol with his family over in Spain, with the uncertainty of what's going on here, are the Raptors even going to be able to play in Canada next season, whenever next season is even supposed to begin? Uh, is he going to sign somewhere else? Does he even have anything left to play in the NBA? I think he did, but he looked pretty rough and, and pretty aged in the back part of this season in the bubble and in the postseason, obviously. And Obviously, his contract was up with the Raptors, too. And this always kind of felt like maybe this was a possibility because of all those factors at play. And it seems as though Marcus Saul is going to take his newly tanned physique and frolic through Spanish meadows wearing luxurious linens, eating fruit right off of the tree, and uh, playing basketball for Barcelona in a front court 
with a man who he sent back to Europe in the conference finals last year, Nikola Mirotic, which is very funny and very cool. And also, imagine having Nikola Mirotic and Marc Gasol as your front court. Barcelona, probably going to be pretty good next season. Maybe we watch them when the NBA is canceled for the 2020-21 season because uh, of everything being terrible. Um, I joke, I think. Anyway, going to miss Marc Gasol, man. It, it was a short tenure. It was a tenure kind of littered with some underwhelming performance there were obviously stretches of the postseason last year before he really clicked in against the Milwaukee Bucks where things seemed pretty dire and maybe it seemed like he was done then obviously he was injured quite a bit this season the hamstring kept him out and then coming back for the bubble and the playoffs he was very clearly not himself and very clearly just didn't have it the way he did when he was at his best even you know at times with the Raptors but before during his heyday with Memphis and all that it just kind of was very clear that at age it was slowly catching up to a guy who had been hurt a bunch with lower leg and foot and hamstring injuries and had also played a ton of basketball over the previous calendar year winning the championship with Spain of course after going to the finals with the Raptors so it just didn't quite line up for Gasol but with all that said I think it's really remarkable that even with some real spells of not playing necessarily very well and injury and concerns over whether or not he was cooked or not the memory of Marc Gasol and the Raptors is going to be overwhelmingly positive and for good reason Marc Gasol is a huge reason why the Raptors won a championship last season they do not win the title without the Marc Gasol trade I know that's sort of been a thing to revisit with revisionist history a little bit and oh maybe they just would have won with Jonas Valanciunas and things would have been fine no I don't think so the Raptors won last year's title because they were a monstrous defensive team that could change their defensive identity possession by possession. And if you talk to anybody about how that came about, it was all due to Marcus Gasol, the savant that he is, being at the back line, calling things out, reading possessions, and deciding how the Raptors were going to attack every single time the other team came down the floor with the ball. Jonas Valanciunas, bless his heart, did not offer that, and the Raptors do not reach that absurd defensive ceiling where they can turn it on and swing a game from being down 15 against the Bucks in a game six without someone like Marc Gasol there to really guide the ship from the back. Obviously, there were other great defenders on that team that was an absurd defensive team with Lowry and Leonard, Danny Green, Pascal Siakam, all those guys, but Gasol was the guy who sort of tied everything together, and he did that on offense too. I, I mean, what was the conversation all last year before the Gasol trade was made. It was there were two versions of the Raptors offense. There was the Kawhi offense and there was the Kyle offense. And neither of them really overlapped. There was sort of a trade-off effect that seemed to take place, whether it was in within games where Kawhi was actually playing and it was sort of a, a, a tat for tat or in games where Kawhi didn't play and the Raptors kind of ran this beautiful motion offense that didn't didn't quite click when Kawhi was on the floor. And Marcus Gasol, with his passing and his screening and his ability to hit threes, you know, whenever he wanted to take them, and just the genius that he brought to the floor, he tied those two disparate parts of the offense together and made the Raptors into a championship contender. And I just, it was such a treat to watch that dude play basketball for the Raptors for however brief a time it was, and it felt like we were robbed a little bit of it this year considering the injuries, and it seemed like any time he was on the floor... The Raptors kicked even more ass than they usually did. And that was true of the Raptors' main guys this season. 
of the Raptors rotation players. He had the best on-court net rating, a 10.1 net rating, 109.0 offensive rating in 1,161 minutes over 44 games, and a 98.9 defensive rating with Marcus Gasol on the floor. Again, the best on-court net rating of anyone not named Juan Hernandez, Malcolm Miller, Paul Watson, or O'Shea Brissett. And when he sat, the Raptors were not as good. That's just the fact. Outside of Pascal Siakam, he the Raptors had the lowest net rating when Marcus Gasol was off, off the floor. A 3.7 net rating, still very good, obviously, but uh, only Pascal Siakam had a 1.7 net rating for the team when Pascal Siakam sat, had a uh, lower off-court net rating for the team. And that speaks to the effectiveness of Marcus Gasol. It speaks to... His defense, even though he wasn't totally there offensively, his defense was just absurd. His rim protection was unbelievable. And I think what he did this season kind of solidified all the ways in which, you know, the the way he plays and the things that he does well were essential to what the Raptors did in last year's playoffs. It just kind of vindicated it all, vindicated the idea that the Raptors don't win a title without that dude and the elements that he brought. And I'm forever thankful that we got to watch Mark freaking Gasol. What a treat it was. It's an unlikely thing. I remember being really thrilled when the trade happened, surprised because, A, it didn't seem like it was going to happen. It seemed like the Hornets were going to get him. Uh, that was seemed like it was right at the finish line. And then the Raptors come in at the last minute as you have the Bucks stocking up with Nikola Miritich and you have the Sixers doing all the things that they, they were doing with Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and sort of remaking their entire roster. And you had, I guess the Celtics didn't do anything because the Celtics are cowards, but the Raptors just swooped in, made that Gasol deal, really won the arms race and won the title as a result. And I'll forever be thankful and I'll forever be thankful for the parade performance from Marcus Gasol as well. The drunkest I've ever seen a man. I think I can safely say that. Big shouts to Eric Moreland for keeping him from falling over the edge of the bus many, many times. I'll never forget watching the bus drive by at the parade back when we could see people in the before times. And Marcus Gasol was, I'm, I'm assuming, on like his fifth or sixth bottle of rosé and downing it all in one shot. Seeing that up close and personal was just uh, a level of joy I don't think I've ever seen from an athlete before. And Marcus Gasol deserves a ton of credit for the life he brought to that parade and the excitement he brought to Raptors fans when that deal was made and all throughout the playoffs. You know, don't never forget, man. Game three of the conference finals, Marcus Gasol comes in and I believe he's on five fouls for the final 16 minutes of that game after Kyle Lowry fouls out and he does not foul out. He finishes out the double overtime game that swings the series. He plays incredible defense. He gets some help from like Danny Green and Fred Van Vliet who stood in his rim protectors to ensure Marcus Gasol wasn't going to get fouled and that was the game where he responded after two really tough games to start up the series, where he looked really rough, really old, really out of place against Brooke Lopez, he comes in in Game 3, and all the talk going into it was, maybe they start Serge Ibaka and get Gasol out of there, because Gasol looks cooked, and... They, they stick with him. Nick Nurse says, nope, we're going with Marc Gasol. He got us here, and he played probably the two best games he played as a Raptor in games three and four against Milwaukee, and it was a ride, man. It was a wonderful ride, and I'm very happy for Marc Gasol that he gets to close out his career in a very Marc Gasol fashion. Just, yeah, I'm going to go play in Barcelona and uh, not come back to this COVID-ridden hellscape over here in the Western Hemisphere. 
and uh, gonna stick stick with my family and all that stuff. And I'm just happy for him. I hope he's happy with the decision. Maybe we see him again down the line for a title run with a team or something like that. I don't know, but this is far preferable to Marcus Gasol not being uh, 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 sorry, not being on the Raptors and also going somewhere within the NBA. Like, whether it was the Warriors or the Celtics, whatever it is, one of those teams that was rumored. It's nice that he's not doing that because that would have been tough to root for. Whereas now he he finishes his career Raptor, which is very cool, and it's not sullied by him going to play for some heinous organization. So that's beautiful. Happy for Gasol. Sad he's gone, but there is now a big vacancy for the Raptors to fill. As we talked about before, Gasol seemed like maybe the ideal guy between him and Serge Ibaka to bring back just because he might be the more amenable to a cheaper one-year contract. Obviously, that's out of the, out of the, out of the window now. That's not an option for the Raptors. So we'll talk on the other side about how the Raptors go forward without Marc Gasol. In the final segment of the show, we're going to take a Marc Gasol-themed listener question as well to round out the episode. Maybe get to a couple because, man, there's so many good questions that come in regarding a beautiful soul like Marc Gasol's. So we'll get to that, and again, we're going to get into what the Raptors do next in just a second. But first, I want to tell you all about DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants and now they are counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they are still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering is easy. You just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and choose. And your food is going to be left right at your door. DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep communities that they operate in safe. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's 5 bucks off and zero delivery fees in your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget, 5 bucks off. Locked on NBA is the code for DoorDash. Free delivery as well. Why don't you take advantage of that wonderful offer and maybe order some like Popeyes or something as the NBA Finals get kicked off tonight? You don't want to cook when there's basketball on. Use DoorDash instead. Again, that is code Locked on NBA for 5 bucks off and free delivery. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, so now we get to the question of what the Raptors do going into next season with no Marcus Saul available to them as he is headed to Barcelona. It's tough, man. It's the center position is going to be a bit of a, a trial and error thing next season for the Raptors. You know, obviously Serge Ibaka could still come back. I'm not sure if this makes it more likely that he comes back or not. I kind of always thought the two things were independent of one another just because Abaka and Gasol's personal contract situations were very different, what they might have been looking for. If you could have brought them both back on one-year deals, would have been super happy with that. Obviously not the case now. I still think bringing back Abaka on a one-year deal is a very good idea, 
But you also have to consider now how you sort of go about filling in some of the things that Marcus Saul leaves behind. And it's not easy. Marcus Saul is a very sort of unique player in NBA history. Very few players have done the things that he's done at the level he does them. The passing from the big man position is vital, and it has been vital to the Raptors ever since he came to town and has made their half-court offense, however faulty it may have been recently, it made it a lot more smooth. It made it so you couldn't do what teams have done to the Raptors for large chunks of this decade, where you sell out to stop a Kyle Lowry or a Fred Van Vliet now that he's kind of taken on that ball-handling role. You send two bodies his way, because guess what? If you do that, you have Marcus Saul working a four-on-three, and that is a terrible place to be, because he's going to carve you apart with cuts and passes to the corner or whatever it's going to be. You don't have that now, and finding a good passing big man is not exactly easy. Bam Adebayo's and Marc Gasol's and Nikola Jokic's don't fall off of trees, and it's going to be a bit of a process. For me, I think the number one thing I would try to do, and this is tough because you're the number 29 pick in the draft, and this guy is good and intelligent and probably is going to go well before this, or at least he should considering the profile of him, but... I've been enamored so far with Xavier Tillman of Michigan State. Really the only draft prospect I've gotten excited about in years. This is not something I tend to do. I don't care about the draft. I don't watch college basketball. But after talking with our pal Robel a couple months back on the podcast about what the Raptors were going to do with their draft pick, Xavier Tillman has been in my mind ever since. He's a big man who can pass and set screens and you know score around the basket, work on the roll, maybe not a great three-point shooter just yet, but is also uh, noted as a very high IQ and having a really good defensive sort of acumen and being excellent on that end of the floor as well. That, to me, go get Xavier Tillman. Trade up in the draft, for God's sake. I don't care. Get that dude in your team. That guy seems awesome. And as a lot of people in my mentions are sort of saying after I pointed his name out in a couple interactions, he's a guy who's going to win titles. He's a guy who's going to be on teams that are very good because he's going to be a big man you can have on the floor when things matter. Obviously, this is the 29th pick in the draft. Anyone can bust, and it's very hard to say, even if he were to be taken by the Raptors, if he would come through on that potential. Obviously, the draft is wrought with best intentions of what players could be and never end up becoming, but... Xavier Tillman, go do it. That's that's my number one. In terms of other options now, it's tough. We talked yesterday with Vivek briefly about the Miles Turner thing. That's a very unlikely situation. I probably should have prefaced all that by saying, look, that this only happens if certain things take place this offseason. This only happens if, you know, A, the Pacers decide to be stupid and blow it up and trade their good players, which, you know, obviously the reports are suggesting maybe guys want out. It would be kind of premature, I think, to trade a Miles Turner or something like that. He's got three years left on his contract. That would seem wrong. Um, and the thing with that is, the only way that's financially feasible for the Raptors is if they don't keep Fred VanVleet. Whether it's a sign-in trade with Fred going to the Pacers in exchange for Turner, or it's a thing where the Raptors just don't want to match the Knicks or the Pistons or whatever team comes in with a huge offer for Fred VanVleet, then that cap space becomes a little bit more open obviously it's more available to go and absorb a big contract miles turner makes 18 million bucks a year maybe you can make that happen and if red leaves then you kind of just build from the front court out and then you're left with not very many guards but you can sort of i guess work around it and miles turner is a pretty good consolation prize if you can't keep fred van vliet and for some reason he wants to go to indiana or he signs with somebody else and you have another uh package to throw indiana's way probably involving norman powell plus patrick mccaw plus a sweetener of some kind whether it's a pick or terrence davis whatever it might be then that's the way to make that happen as much as i would like it not very likely so i don't think that's an option there 
You could just bring back Ibaka, give him a big fat one-year contract, maybe take some of the money you were going to allocate to Gasol if it was five million bucks, whatever it might have been, beef up your one-year offer to Ibaka, try to get him to stick around for another year and just make him your starter. You were quite successful with Serge Ibaka in the starting lineup this season. Obviously, he doesn't offer the same things that Gasol does in terms of the rim protection and the mobile defense where he can cover ground despite being insanely slow, it seemed, just having the understanding of angles and when to move and where to move that he could cover up to the perimeter. That's not a Baca's game, but he can be a nice scorer for you and, and finisher for you, and that's a nice thing to have. And we all love Serge Ibaka. I want Serge Ibaka back. That dude rules. But then there's the question of what you do with backup center, and maybe it's just a matter of you play Chris Boucher and then you try small a little bit with Siakam and OG playing some more five next season and experiment there. I think that's you know a totally reasonable opportunity to sort of pursue, but I think the if you're going to bring Gasol back, I would like to bring in at least some other form of traditional center to try to back him up at least, whether it's a Harry Giles, who I know uh, Blake has talked about and I've talked about because I think Blake talked me into it. Harry Giles seems like a perfect candidate, a guy who's sort of post-hype, guy who was playing for a franchise that's known for being terrible at development. Maybe you can get him in on a cheap deal. He can be your backup center and maybe become your starter. Who knows? You know, We don't really know what Harry Giles can be because he hasn't had the opportunity to be anything playing for the Kings. And then there are other trade options out there as well. I mean, Jarrett Allen's someone who kind of comes to mind a little bit. He's still on his rookie contract, so maybe you can swindle the Nets there as they, for some reason, look to move on from Jarrett Allen uh, because DeAndre Jordan's going to be their starter and it just seems like there's no place for Allen there. It's stupid. doesn't make any sense. It's bad team building, but if they're going to do it and be dumb, take advantage of it. Try to get that dude on your team. And if you can trade, you know, even to Terrence Davis, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that, a Terrence Davis for Jarrett Allen swap. Um, yeah, you might have to throw a couple extra smaller salaries in there to make it work, but that could potentially be something you look at. He's a guy who'd be up for an extension after next season and you can kind of figure out what he is this year and then make a decision on what you want to do going into the summer of 2021 when you have sort of the understanding of what everything else is going on um I, I should have also noted with miles turner if Giannis signs the supermax this summer and that plan goes out the window for next summer then maybe you just try to get miles turner anyway and bring him in and bring back fred and then you just kind of go forward with that and see how it works with a lowry fred og siaka miles turner starting five or something like that again the miles turner thing something not that's it's not terribly likely either way there are some options there's not any sexy options or terribly impressive options because guess what replacing Marcus is freaking hard and unless you're getting uh one of those transcend passing big men it's just you're not going to have the same flow and juice to your offense that the Raptors had when they were at their best this season when Gasol was available obviously they can work around it Kyle Lowry's a genius Kyle Lowry can run a damn offense himself and you know you can have Pascal Siakam ideally take some leaps and OG Ananobi obviously is going to become more of a, a prevalent part of the Raptors offense next season but it just you take a lot of that excitement out of the, what the Raptors do when you don't have Gasol working from the elbows and able to sort of create from there and see over the defense and make you know passes to cut and things like that it's not easy it's going to be a difficult thing to replace and um i i don't know but uh, xavier tillman do it uh <laughs> find a way man because that guy feels like he's going to be a winner and uh, a wonderful pick and he, you know maybe the raptors can capitalize i think he's a three-year college player you know the raptors tend to realize that oh a good college player who played a long time go ahead go nuts uh take that guy he's very clearly going to be good at basketball if not a superstar where most teams seem a little bit scared of those older college guys that's not something the Raptors have been afraid of so maybe he falls but maybe some teams are getting wise to what the Raptors do and thinking huh that guy is someone the Raptors would like maybe that's someone we should like too so 
not getting my hopes up because many a dream has been crushed on draft night, hoping for a guy to fall to the late 20s. But um, that's my hope. Xavier Tillman. I'm going to say it until it's true. We're going to speak it into existence here on Locked on Raptors. With that, we are going to move forward and take some listener questions about Marcus to close out the Marcus themed episode. It's a, it's a fond farewell. If there's ever been a fond farewell, it is to Marcus an absolute king. We're going to dive into some of your questions in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar you are ever going to try. I talk about them all the time because they're really good, and I have them in my fridge, and I eat them quite frequently because they're very tasty, they're a nice healthy treat, and they have 18 amazing flavors, including six brand new flavors featuring caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Joining the lineup of their 12 original flavors, a grouping that includes my absolute favorite toffee almond and banana bread, which is also a banger as well. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate and they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are great for the health-conscious person that you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for keto diets as well. Some of the flavors, you've got peanut butter, for example, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. Or you've got the brand new cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. And right now, for a limited time, you're going to get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last, so get on it right away. When you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON. You get 10 bucks off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON for 10 bucks off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we move on to the end of the podcast, and we're going to take your questions. And the question here comes in from one of the intrepid co-hosts of the Dishes and Dimes podcast, a wonderful podcast you should be checking out. It is from Sarah Remington, and Sarah asks, what will you miss most about Marcus Gasol, best Gasol memory? There's a lot. I've kind of gone over a lot of the stuff here, but there are so many more. I think... You know, outside of for going off court, it's certainly like the wacky waving, inflatable arm flailing tube man stuff he did at the parade. That was fantastic. Everything about the parade was wonderful. Being so drunk he couldn't speak at the parade. Hell yeah. And also the story about him apparently getting on a flight back home that night after the parade. Hero stuff. An absolute king. We love him for it. In terms of on-court stuff, I mean, there's so much from such a short amount of time. I'll never forget the first game watching Gasol play for the Raptors. They were in Madison Square Garden. It was a bit of a somber affair because I think Fred Van Vliet got hurt. But in the first half of that game, just watching Marcus Gasol throw cross-court passes and pick out like Norman Powell and Fred Van Vliet working in that weird, fun little bench lineup and seeing the ease with which he was setting guys up, it was just like, whoa, okay, this is great. I love this. I'd never want to not watch this again. And, you know, I'm partial to passing big men. I think it's like the coolest thing you can be as an NBA player. So I was always going to be in on Marcus Gasol from the jump. And I love those Grizzlies teams with all my heart. One of my favorite non-Raptors teams of all time because of what they meant to Memphis. They were very much like the pre-championship Raptors and that they were the first successful team in that franchise's history. And they meant so much and they went on surprising runs. And it was one of those examples of a team proving that you don't need to win a title to endure 
endear yourself. You don't need to win a title to be an all-time great. You can be a team that has great regular season success and make some playoff runs and be incredibly important and vital to not only the story of that franchise and their history, but to the story of the league over a given era. And that's why I loved Marcus Gasol. It's hard not to love that dude. He's incredible. Um, you know, all the off-court stuff about him gardening and saving refugees in his boat, all that stuff is beautiful stuff. But in terms of on-court things, you know, that that game against the Knicks will always stand out as just being like a, a realization of how things could be different and what it looked like to have a big man who wasn't just like a fake three-point shooter. I love Jonas Valanciunas, you know, forever Jonas on, on this podcast, but, you know, he was not... Marcus Gasol, he was not someone who could, you know, survive in pick and roll coverage on defense. He was not someone who could actually shoot threes at a high clip and mean it. He could he could not pass from the elbows the way Marcus Gasol could or pass from anywhere the way Marcus Gasol can. And just seeing those different layers and maybe it was a less flashy guy who wasn't going to score as many points, but seeing all the different subtleties he brought to the game, that was impressive and exciting in that Knicks game, which, you know, I think they barely won against a crappy Knicks team, but still, all the Gasol elements were incredibly fun. And then, I think you get into the playoffs, obviously, you know, him being on the floor, the big lineup that they went to, I think, in Game 4 as they pulled out that series, obviously that series goes on he makes the inbound pass to Kawhi Leonard for the game winner in game seven the, the bounce shot that's an indelible moment and then you also have him sort of talking to Joel Embiid after in a really sort of you know sweet moment talking to Embiid who is clearly very emotional after that game seven loss and then coming around like six months later and holding Joel Embiid to zero points Zero points in a regular season game. There is no person happier right now that Marcus Gasol is going to Spain than Joel Embiid. I can tell you that for damn sure. And man, now I'm sad thinking about when the Raptors play the Sixers next time and Joel Embiid's going to put up 40 and 20 on uh, like 15 of 30, 15 to 20 shooting. It's going to be disgusting. But it was uh, nice having that sort of antidote to Joel Embiid for a little while. And that was a standout moment. And then, you know, coming back to the bubble, he looked good and seeing the skinny mark pictures were amazing it was really really exciting to see the the feathered hair and the tan and thinking hey maybe the hamstring is is tight and we've we, not tight like it, it, like it's it's tight it's good uh maybe maybe it's good ready to go maybe he is able to sort of regain a more of a sort of old version of Marcus Gasol form. Maybe he could provide more offensively to help juice the Raptors' half-court offense. Obviously, it wasn't the case, but the lead-up to the bubble. And he had some nice offensive performances in the bubble uh, seeding games before the playoffs kicked in. You know, that was all very exciting, too. There's there's just no bad memories of Marcus Gasol, as there were certainly some bad on-court things from him. Uh, they just get washed away by all the joy and excitement and just next level basketball understanding that he brought to the Raptors watching experience and we'll never ever forget Marcus Gasol playing for the Raptors man it kicked ass it absolutely kicked ass and I absolutely cannot wait to see 41 year old Marcus Gasol tear up the FIBA world championships for Spain uh, averaging nearly a triple double I'm sure it's going to happen he's going to go like on a increased like a more intense Luis Scola post NBA like arc I, I, I can very much see it he's going to be revitalized playing in Spain eating paella every day drinking port wine he's going to be just ready to go and I can't wait to see it and uh thank you to Marcus Saul the Raptors don't win a title without him 
I'm pretty sure and confident in saying that. And he will forever be a Raptor, forever be an indelible part of the Raptors. And that is pretty damn cool that one of the coolest players of the last 20 years in the NBA has such a meaningful and important connection to your Toronto Raptors. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for sending your questions in. And thank you to Marcus Gasol for uh, just whipping ass for, for a year and a half with the Raptors. I guess almost two years considering the, uh, the long layoff. It was beautiful. And with that, uh, we'll let you go. Tomorrow, I'm going to be joined, I believe, by Katie Heindel. We're going to do a season review episode on Kyle Lowry, which is going to be beautiful. How could it not be? Kyle Lowry rules and Katie rules, so it's going to be a meeting of things that rule in a wonderful episode on Thursday, so be sure to tune in for that. Um, also, please make sure you're subscribing to, rating, and reviewing this podcast. Five stars would be very much appreciated if you can drop me one of those. And uh, make sure you're checking out all the baseball shows, too, especially Locked On. Blue Jays as the Blue Jays come uh, up with game two. They might be done by the time you hear this. I don't know. They play game two in like an hour, but uh, please make sure you check it out because uh, AJ Andrews does a great job covering the Jays over there. If you're a baseball fan, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.